We had them dancing in the streets. I don't want to be a one-man band. I don't want to be a rolling stone alone. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to episode 96 of Three Point Podcast. The three of us will dive into the Michigan sports scene, including the Wolverines' dominant win over MSU with a view from three different generations. Our trinity includes Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Matt Burns of ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle right here in our Mid-Michigan Three Point Podcast studio. Our partners include the Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, Sheridan Auction Service, and Promec Engineering. Our Sportsnet Michigan Radio Network teammates include Sports Radio Detroit and WJSZ. Give us a follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all the other big podcast hosting sites. You can also hit us with your comments and questions on social media at Three Point Pod. We're going to have some fun. We're going to get it rolling right after these important messages. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. First and 10 at the 18. Patterson. Near side. Donovan Peoples Jones making people miss. Brennan. Touchdown, Wolverines. Charbonnet in the backfield. Patterson to throw. Steps. Caught. Touchdown. Nico Collins. Paul Bunyan will stay in Ann Arbor. 44 to 10 the final Michigan wins their eighth game of the season. All right guys uh, we're going to get big time into the Michigan Michigan State game but first of all I have a little mea culpa. I uh, I re-listened to our podcast last week and and Jared I'm going to come clean I'm going to give you a little apology here. I don't know why I went off a little bit about the MHSAA conversation but I just it must have been my lack of food getting prepared for the colonoscopy. That's the only excuse I can give, but my apologies, young man. Uh, apology accepted because you put words into the MHSA's mouth and I slandered the MHSA. You put me up for potential uh, potential <laughs> lawsuit because you lied about what they messaged you. Well, like and I said, even after I read it or even after I listened to it, you know, I when I set the whole thing up, I did say my friends at the MHSAA, and you came back and said, yeah, your buddies at the MHSA, and I took offense to that. I mean, I, that's the same thing, I believe. <laughs> I mean, you're supposed to be a, you know, a non-biased journalist, and that's pretty much what you were. Well. You didn't tell the truth. I had to call you out. You, you did. You got mad and said that I was, you know, challenged basically your your character. 
But it just comes down to this. My dad actually is someone who actually gave me some good, reasonable knowledge onto why this is a rule. He said that the MHSA surveys people, yep. every, the teams, every single year, and they don't do it because if it was allowed, a charter school would come in and they would be that one school, which is basically what you see across the entire country, where all the best players would go and then they would make these trips and they would win the state title every single year. That's why teams voted down. Now, it's a shame that we have to go outside the podcast to know that knowledge when you <laughs> pride yourself on being the mid-Michigan high school sportsman. So that was just a little bit disappointing, but we got the answer we wanted. Absolutely. And again, we're not going to beat it to death. Uh, I'm going to control my temper and ire towards you and uh, keep it on an even kill unless I have to argue with you if you say something stupid. So we'll just keep on like we always do. How's that sound? It sounds good. All right. I, I didn't mean – you have a weird brain where if I make one comment, you think about it all week. Am I wrong on that? <laughs> no, 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 no. That that particular one – I mean, when's the last time you heard me make an apology to you? Wasn't that the that's first? Fair. All right, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Apology accepted. No oh. more. We don't need to discuss it anymore. Apology accepted. Perfect. That was a big move by you. Thank you very much. Now let's move on. Our, our, our best dreams happened down at the big house. Michigan took care of business. Shea Patterson tore up the Spartans. And that sets the stage for you guys to jump in. So I, I, I'll go first, and this, I'll, I'm gonna—it's kind of like a good story where you'll start. I actually got this from uh, the other guys. To tell a good story, you start at the end, and then go back to the beginning while briefly going back to the end throughout the story. So at the very end of the day, I was down at the big house, as you guys know, and I didn't realize that when the Paul Bunyan Trophy is brought out, that the media members—it's basically a free for all—to just run onto the field. I didn't know that because when you go to Michigan, it's so buttoned up. You can't even step on the field without some guy yelling at you to get off the field. As soon as that happened, you, it's a free-for-all to see that Paul Bunyan trophy. I was standing in right in front of the student section all game. I then ran out toward midfield only to have the entire Michigan team run back toward me <laughs> to the student section. So basically, I should have stayed where I was. I was almost, I was, I was like scared I was going to get trampled. They were running like around me to get to the student section. So then I spin around, run back to the student section, start shooting them. And I tell you what, guys, every once in a while, I think everyone kind of has this where you kind of wonder like, why am I, you know, doing what I'm doing, especially when you're in college and you're not really sure what you want to do yet. That was about as reaffirming of a moment as you could have. Just watching Michigan put that the Michigan helmet on the Paul Bunyan trophy. It was awesome. Top 10 moment of my life, without a doubt. Incredible. Well, the, the funny thing about the Paul Bunyan Trophy and what you're talking about, that's the first time ever that Michigan has brought the Paul Bunyan Trophy onto the field at the big house. So the Paul Bunyan Trophy has been around since 1953, and they used to always leave it in the locker room or whatever. But two years ago, when Michigan State won at the big house and they brought it onto the field, that kind of like started a new tradition, if you want to call it. So, so like you talking about that, that it's a free-for-all sprint out onto the field, try and get a glimpse of Paul Bunyan, that's kind of a new thing within the last couple of years because it didn't used to be that way with the Paul Bunyan trophy. So, so, yeah, that's kind of a new experience for you and the media members at the big house. Got to give Michigan State some credit for that. I mean, think about it. Yeah, okay, I understand why they were doing it in the locker room, but I think it's a cool thing to have those, uh, those trophies, those rival trophies, do it right on the field so the fans can enjoy it too. I don't know if the fear is to like, 
you know, someone's going to drop it and break it. Right. You know, I, I guess I don't know, like, what the reason was of doing that or if they're just trying to, like, keep it classy or whatever. But, you know, yeah, most most trophies, you know, the big the, the brown jug with Minnesota, all the other trophies across college football, you always see the team celebrating on the field with it. So it, it is kind of cool to see that. And I, and I think that it also did a good job of keeping – because it was a blowout, which we loved, and we probably would have stayed the entire game. But I think that having that trophy out – knowing that it was going to come out at the end of the game made it so that the entire crowd pretty much stayed until the end of the game, which was awesome. It it is an awesome tradition. I mean, that's my favorite thing to see. I mean, we saw it last year. When they put that helmet on that trophy, and how do we feel about the Paul Bunyan trophy itself? It's got to be my favorite trophy in all (laughs) college football. Am I wrong on that? It's definitely better than the little brown jug. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I don't know. I never really gave that much thought. The little brown jug's pretty decent, but I think the Paul Bunyan trophy has extra meaning. Just because it's Michigan, Michigan State, you know. I, I don't know what other people in other parts of the country would think, but I mean, it is a pretty cool trophy. The only thing that bugs me doesn't Minnesota and Wisconsin play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy as well? Their own version of it? I think, I think they do, we, I, yeah. Um, look it up. I, I, I think I'm right. Yeah, I think we, we were, I think that's what me and Matt are both doing right now. We do not know that off the top of our head. We probably should. We probably should. If, but, if uh, I got that one again. right, you got to give one to the old man. Well, I feel like I have heard that before, and um, while while we're researching that and looking that up, you, you kind of teed this up, the whole discussion about Michigan-Michigan State with, you know, Shea Patterson and the way that he played, and, you know, that's that's one thing that stood out to me. You know, he, he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season, but and, and Jared, you were one to definitely criticize Shea Patterson and, you know, talk about some of his struggles, and we all did, really. But, man, he was lights out yesterday, and some, some crazy numbers that I saw, you know, Brian Lewerke – he was supposed to be, I don't know if you want to call him the savior. You know, he was supposed to really keep Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio, keep things humming along with the Spartans. His three starts against Michigan, 33 of 77, 326 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions in three starts versus Michigan. Shea Patterson just yesterday, 24 of 33, 384 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. You know, for Brian Lewerke, he was supposed to be the guy for Michigan State, you know, to take over after Connor Cook, keep Mark D'Antonio and his, his run going. Shea Patterson showed out yesterday, and he, I mean, he played great. He made everyone forget about Brian Lewerke and, you know, him being the Spartan quarterback. I was at the post game interviewing Lewerke with a group of like three or four other people, and at one point he said, it's, it's really sad that this is my this is my last chance, you know, to play them. Really wanted to go out on a high note, and I was just sitting there holding back a, a smile. It was <laughs> awesome. Uh, but the battle for Minnesota versus Wisconsin, that's the battle for the Paul Bunyan axe. Ah. It was formerly the slab of bacon, so I can see okay. why they changed that. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I, I do remember that. It's not the same as the trophy. Okay, cool. Fair enough. But I knew Paul Bunyan was involved. All right, so you but, said you went to you were in the Michigan State uh, area after the game. That's the assignment you got, right? So you you, mm-hmm. you filmed some quotes from the players. Uh, did you get D'Antonio on the podium? Any dumb yeah, questions? Was, did not. I I tried to ask questions. I don't know, and I don't want to call say anyone's not doing a great job. But the way that Michigan State does their post games is it's baffling. Because, Lay it out. So there's there's about fifty people in that this little Michigan visitor room mm-hmm. and they bring in three to four michigan state players and they and they don't bring them up on the podium they say they spread them across the room and in this little room there's no room to do anything you're i had to stand on a chair i'm, I'm like the shortest guy in the room i literally had to set my microphone like 
right next to whoever was talking and then stand on a chair and shoot them so I could actually see them. It, it's, it's, it was it was just not the way to do it. you got to bring them up on the podium. And I know that's how a lot of teams do it. But when it's Michigan versus Michigan State and there's that many media members there, you got to bring them on the podium. And as for D'Antonio, when he was given his post game, I, I was standing in the back. I literally, and I'm not joking when I say this, did not hear one word he said the entire time. He was barely talking. He was like mumbling pretty much the entire time. It wasn't, I had to go back and boost his levels when I got back to the studio to like plus tw- like 24 times what it was to even hear what he was saying. Wow. It's just, it was just asinine. I mean, you want to ask him a question. I don't know how these people are even hearing him. And, and it's just, I mean, have some bravado. I know you're disappointed or whatever, but you can't just talk louder than a whisper. I mean, you're not that old. Right. And it wasn't that loud. The background noise wasn't loud or anything. It was just a matter of him talking so low. No. Yeah, he's just talking so dang quiet that it's – I mean, he is a dead man walking, but he's not dead yet. Right. It's I, funny you say that because I was I was at work yesterday, and I, I stuck around to watch the post game. I was hoping to maybe hear Jared Fattel ask a question to either Harbaugh or D'Antonio. Right. Um, but when D'Antonio came up and on the feed – you know, we were able to watch his presser. You could barely, you're, you're right. You could barely hear what he was saying to the point where I went to our master control or like central record where they set up all the feeds and everything for the games. And I said, Hey, did the sound stop for the Michigan, Michigan state feed? And they said, no, it's, it's still there. Like the bars were so low, kind of what you're talking about, Jared. And that's, I was wondering, I was like, is he whispering? Is something not set up right? Like what's going on there? Maybe he was just down on his luck or something because i mean you you could see it in the game i mean i know jared you weren't necessarily watching so you didn't see all the camera cutaways to d'antonio on the sidelines but oh Ed, i know you were watching he was a beaten man he just i don't think he smiled i mean he didn't have much to smile about yesterday but i don't think i saw any sort of positive reaction anything because he just looked pissed down whatever adjective you want to use that whole game Here's a here's a question for you, okay? You know, we we know that there was a question of D'Antonio a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago or so, and he was asked about not shuffling his uh, coaching staff or how he did it, whatever, whatever that question was. Here, do you guys think this would be a legitimate good question? I mean, we've read about it. What if somebody had the balls and just said, "Hey, Mark, are you retiring after this season?" Just flat out ask him that question. Has anybody ever asked him that at a press conference? And is that a good know, but- question? I mean, yeah, I think it's a legitimate question, especially now, what, 10 games into the year? They only have two, possibly three games left if they make a bowl game. So maybe not wording it as, are you retiring? But, you know, yeah. you thought about, have you thought about retirement after the season? You know, something like that. I think that's 100% a legitimate question. But given how he reacted to the one a few weeks ago, calling the reporter a dumbass or however he said it, I think a lot of people probably are scared to ask him that. Well, here's my angle. We got the young buck who hasn't asked a question yet. Maybe he's looking to make a make it in this business. Okay. You hear here's, me? Go ahead. Give us your opinion there, Jerry. Here's the thing about that. Yeah. I'm the question that I actually wanted to ask Antonio. And if it wasn't for his sound being so quiet, and I was like kind of in a panic, like, am I even getting this? It, it <laughs> can it like where the basically the whole time I was just nervous, uh, checking my levels constantly to make sure that it was even recording. I wanted to ask him, like, D'Antonio or Harbaugh's now moved a three and two record against you. Does that matter to you at all? And and, and I have a feeling that wouldn't have gone over great. Uh, but that's definitely what I wanted to ask him. But when you're in this post game presser, there's like these 
it's kind of like baseball. There's these unwritten rules. It almost seems like, and I hate it. And, and and I know that I talk a lot about how I hate it so much. Maybe I should ask a question to change that. But when you have your credentials and you work for a company, I don't want to be the guy that gets their credentials taken for good. That that's a fireball offense. I would look at. That's understandable. And I worry about Michigan State. I and I and I don't want to just be the guy. Oh, hey, Mark, how'd you feel? Why didn't you guys get that one third down? I don't like. I don't get much out of that. And right. so when. Another company's involved, and I have a boss. I do worry about throwing out, you know, a heated question like that that could have repercussions. And knowing Michigan State, as petty as they are, I could see it happening, where next thing I know, I'm out of a job. Well, remember, it was not this past Big Ten media days, but so like two Big Ten media days ago, when the dude, I forget his name right now, but he's one of the, he he has one of the bigger media Spartan blog sites, you know. um, Hondo. I, well, no, no. It was, I don't think it was Hondo. It wasn't that one. This was like two Big Ten media days ago. Okay. Dude that, like, you know, he was being a smartass. He asked Harbaugh about how, like, his record against Michigan State in the Big Ten and how he's going to turn things around when he was supposed to be the savior of Michigan. So, and, you know, he caught a lot of flack for the way that he asked that question, but, you know, he still has his job or whatever. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, Jared, but you are kind of there to – get information to ask these coaches or players or whoever some of the hard questions. So, yeah, you don't want to be like a jerk right. about your question. You know, that's not representing Fox 17 or whoever you're working for. But, I mean, you're there to ask questions, you know. So that's like, Ted, you, you kind of started this by asking, you know, if someone would ask, have you thought about retirement? I, I don't know why anyone would be scared to ask him that. How easy is it to maybe set it up by saying, and I know it's a tough, tough situation, and you got to have the balls hanging out, man. But if you just said, hey, Mark, there's been a lot of speculation in the newspapers about your future. Are you considering retirement, or is this it this year? You know, something along those lines. That would definitely not get you fired. That's a hard question, no, but it's legit. Be but the thing is, throughout the entire press conference, which if anyone could have heard it back at home, <laughs> he kept saying how next year, how they're building for next year, this year, next year, that. Oh. And, you know, everyone's kind of looking at each other like side-eyed. Like, is he going to be here next year? Yeah, rolling their eyes. So where he would just, he would have just, if that would have been asked, I think he would have just said, well, have you been listening this entire time? Or, like, that's a, I don't think, I think he's smart enough not to give a, that's a dumbass question. I think he would have just said, like, no, I'm not retiring. And then everyone looked at me like an idiot. But what do you think about the Harbaugh question that I was cooking to ask? like cooking up and didn't quite ask it, but it was cooking in the oven. Would that have been crossing a line there? No, I don't think so. I think it's, you know, he may, he may not like the question. He may answer it weird, but I I think why not? That that's legit. Yeah. Got- I mean, that's like the one that I'm talking about that, that dude asked Harbaugh at big 10 media days a couple of years ago. You know, he asked him about his record against Michigan state. It'd be the same thing. I mean, again, maybe, you know, I, I feel like a lot of these things, it's not necessarily what you say. It's how you say it. Yep. If you, like, smugly, smart-assly, if that's a word, came across by saying, like, hey, now you're two and three against Harbaugh, what do you think about that? You know, and you, like, kind of sounded like you're trying to take a dig at him, then, yeah, that might piss him off. But if you worded it in a way of, like, you know, Harbaugh came in and he's going to be at Michigan for a long time, and, you know, you've now dropped to two and three against Harbaugh, how do you feel about it? You know, however you're going to word it, it's a legitimate question. He's that It's your it's all facts. It's not like you're making anything up. You're asking him a legitimate question. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, yeah. I knew that, that portion of the uh, conversation where I was basically just getting uh, shat on the entire time was going to come up. So how about the actual game? Uh, my takeaway was this. Shea Patterson, he has cemented himself in Michigan lore. 
comes in, 2-0 record versus MSU, has his best game of his career, the best game ever for a Michigan quarterback against MSU when the lights are the brightest. And just it made me fall in love with Shea Patterson all over again, which is something that we haven't for basically this entire season. I just loved everything that he was doing. And that, it was it was the game that, you know, we said it that, that second half against Penn State when they made a comeback. That was when we were like, that's the offense we've been waiting to see. But finally we saw it for a whole game. That that was the game that when Shea Patterson transferred to Michigan, that we that's what we envisioned with Shea Patterson. He was running the RPO, he ran the ball a few times, he was rolling out, making throws on the run. You know, he did miss a few throws, but I mean, that's like getting really picky because overall he basically played a flawless game. And, I mean, what I love to see is just them attacking through the air. I mean, he, he was throwing the ball down the field, hit, hit a couple deep balls to Nico Collins. 14 of his 24 completions were for 15 or more yards. I mean, that's awesome. He wasn't just dinking and dunking. I mean, that was – and you know what? People will say, like, yeah, but this is one of the worst Michigan State teams we'll ever see. Well, this is supposed to be an elite defense. I mean, we've been talking about it all season. So, I, and it's a rivalry game. I'm not taking anything away from what Patterson did. Like you said, that the lights were the brightest. That was a big game, and, and he showed out. Well, not only that, I mean, Jared, I mean, I don't know if you've changed your opinion. We did get a chance to watch the game, listen to uh, Klatt and Gus Johnson, and, and Klatt was pointing it out. And it, I think it was pretty accurate that, you know, it took Gaddis a while and it took the team a while to get used to his play calling. I mean, they did have to bring him down on the field. That seems to have worked out. And I think their game plan has changed, and the players are executing it. And, you know, he's opening it up more. And that Michigan State game was a perfect example of maybe what we can see in the future here. Yeah. Uh, Trey Young actually just tweeted out uh, a few days ago, and this is exactly what I thought of when he said it. He said that the – the apologies have to be as loud as the criticisms. So if you remember when Josh Gaddis was looking horrible yep. and we couldn't put up any points against Wisconsin, I said that he should have woken up with a horse in his head or a horse in his bed. <laughs> so someone should do that favor to me. I should wake up with a horse in my head and maybe I'm off the podcast. I, I don't know. I don't know what the repercussions would be for me waking up with a horse in my bed, but I 100% apologize. He has shown us that. He is what we thought he was coming into Michigan, and it's just when you dominate Michigan State like that. And I know this is Michigan State Super Bowl, and that's my favorite part about it every year is how D'Antonio almost as a point of pride, which is kind of weird, says that he's been preparing for this game all season, adding stuff in each week. It's just when you do that to that team, and they're they're just so prideful, and it's it's basically guys that they all know coming from all around the same, pretty much the same region in like mid Michigan mid. In the Midwest, it's just a big time W. And when your offense looks that good, you got Shea Patterson looking like Tom Brady to be to be. I mean, when he made basically every single throw, every third down, you every third down he was making some big throw that would just move the chains. So I don't know. Get us my. Uh, I apologize again. You are the real deal. Yeah, this has become the uh, apology show here. Say, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think if I've ever. You must have done or, something, man. Something out. I need to apologize about. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm the one that's been telling you guys to. Oh. Pump the brake. Pump the brakes a little bit. Wait, wait, wait. Back, back that up a second, toilet. Jared. Say that again, Jared. I, I remember you calling for Shea Patterson's job. Who me? Yeah. Yeah, you. Well, I don't, no, I don't think I ever. Joe Milton. For Shea you were a Joe Milton guy. I think I just said, if you don't trust him to run the whole offense, which if we remember a month ago, four or five weeks ago, it sure looked like they weren't trusting him to run the whole offense. 
or if he's not healthy, then you have to move on to McCaffrey. Oh, or sure. Jared and I can step up, but Matt, you got excuses. I mean, I'm not making excuses. That's what I said. I mean, if, okay. if reciting what I said is making an excuse. All right. Making an excuse. Fair enough. We gave you an opportunity to apologize. I, no need. No need. I'm not going to apologize for something I didn't say. But, you know, you, you said that this was Michigan State's Super Bowl. And, you know, that's one thing. I, I don't know what you guys saw. I know I kind of hang on Twitter a little more than you guys do. But I, I'm pretty sure I saw Jared say something about it, too. But it seemed like all week leading up to the game, it was like radio silence for Michigan State fans. I mean, they were tweeting more about like it being basketball season. That, that's one thing that always makes me laugh about their fan base is when things start going down for their football season, it, it immediately it's just it's basketball season. It's basketball season. But you knew they were setting it up. They, like what bothers me is they were setting it up to be good either way. They right. were saying Michigan's going to blow us out. We suck this year. You know, whatever. It's going to be a blowout. But you know. If they won, they would have started talking trash about Michigan. Harbaugh's overrated. You know, Michigan fans are always running their mouths. They don't know what to do. And that's what bothers me the most, most about Michigan State fans is because it's like, even when Michigan is down, I'm still all in on the season. I'm going to stay locked in. I'm going to follow every game, you know, be, be locked in on the whole season. And it's just like, it was nothing. When they went up 7-0, there were a few tweets floating around, uh-oh, upset brewing at the big house. <laughs> and then it basically went radio silence after Michigan went on a 44-3 to run. And I don't, that, that's just, you know, talking about the, it being their Super Bowl, that's what bothers me the most, most about Michigan State fans. It's like, if you're going to talk trash about your football team or talk about Harbaugh being overrated or whatever you want to say, then, you know, don't, don't shy away. Don't run away just because your program's going down to the dumps. Yeah, what bugged me is I work in the Lansing area, right? And there's a lot of Spartan fans I work with. And it's and I, they were irritating me this last week. You know, I would wear my Michigan gear, and they'd, they'd come in my office, and a couple of them would go, yeah, boy, it's your year. We have no chance. You know, like they were kind of setting it up like, yeah, we're not going to trash talk <laughs> yeah. You know, and then they would have came right in the office after Michigan State pulled the epic upset. So that kind of bothered me a little bit, you know. Hey, I know the team is down, and I was going to bring this up kind of in defense of Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan pounded them. It might have been, you know, Michigan State's uh, Super Bowl, but let's face it. Their team is banged up. No bocce, you know, the, the, some of the losses they've had. That was not a team coming into that game with with all power yeah. and any confidence either. That's not that's not anyone's fault. Oh, I know that. Bocce getting suspended, that's his fault. And all those guys leaving to the transfer portal or whatever, that's maybe the coaching staff's fault. Like injuries happen. That stuff though, that's a complete that's a that's a like shining a light on the state of the program. True. And I'm not I'm not sticking up for anything there other than the fact that boy, if Michigan didn't put that beat down on them like they did, then there would I'd have to say, man, there's something going on in the Wolverine program. Cuz I think you guys remember, I mean, I I said the score, I thought it was going to be 28 to 3, something like that that they were going to roll. Hell, they rolled them more than I thought. <laughs> Here, that was D'Antonio's first excuse when someone asked him, actually asked him a good question where he said you know, before the season, you guys had Big Ten aspirations, Big Ten championship aspirations. Now you're barely scrapping by to try to make a bowl game. Uh, like, what changed? And he said, well, we're without five linemen and we're without two starting wide receivers. So I don't know how true that is. It kind of seems like a stretch. I've, maybe we're just not plugged in as we should be. Are they really without five offensive linemen and two starting wide receivers? Or is that him just trying to, like, dampen the blow? Because... I mean, to five, it just seems like that would have been a bigger story that you're without your five starting linemen. Yeah. Uh, well, I know 
I know at one point yesterday, three true freshman linemen were in for them. Uh, so they, they're definitely down a couple guys on the offensive line. Uh, Stewart, one of, you know, one of their wide receivers, he didn't play. But, I mean, it's one of those things like injuries happen, and if you're a strong program, if you're uh, one of the best programs in the Big Ten, like their fans and like everyone tries to hype them up to be, Mark D'Antonio, the best coach in your program's history, you should have depth and be able to make up for a lineman or a receiver or someone going down instead of having all your players transfer and your best linebacker getting busted for PEDs. That's very true. The, and, and, and and although and the thing that bothers me about Michigan State fans kind of just seceding that Michigan was going to win, although it's probably true, I mean, you got to have some pride. I would never, ever in a million years predict that Michigan State was going to beat Michigan. I don't care if they're Alabama and we're – I, I don't know, Eastern Michigan. That would just never happen. you got to stand for something or you're going to fall for everything. And, and the thing about that was kind of it, – it, 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 I ate it up, but I can see how other people didn't like it or whatever. It, it, Michigan State showed their true colors. I mean, how about this for a uh, little bit of research? Rough waters are truer tests of leadership. In calm water, every ship has a good captain. captain. Swedish proverb slash me on Mark D'Antonio. Whenever Mich- Michigan State loses to Michigan, or basically whenever they play, why is it that they have like 10 personal fouls every single year? And that's exactly what Michigan State resorted to. As soon as they saw they had no chance of winning, just personal fouls left and right. Just just a dirty program. And maybe we're biased in saying that, but how can you watch that game and not say, there's something wrong with this team? They're having, they have some personal issues. Yeah, you have to wonder if, you know, I don't know if there's, a lack of leadership. I, you know, they, they do have some upperclassmen. Maybe Bocce was kind of that leader on the defense, so maybe him not being there hurts. I, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, you know, seeing the late hits, especially the, that just awful late hit where the dude got ejected on, you know, he, he hit Shea Patterson yeah. after he threw the ball and some of those other late hits and stuff. I mean, both teams were playing, like, chippy, you know, those kind of chippy plays. That's going to happen in a rivalry game. But, like you said, Jared, it does seem like a lot – you know, you remember like Will Golston and some of these other guys with Michigan State getting these like late hit, these like just dirty penalties, and you know, that's the stuff you don't want to see. But you know, when it's not your team, maybe you know that's what makes you think like, what's going on with this program? Yeah. Either way, I mean, if it's your team or the other team, I know we're talking about the Spartans particularly, but it, it's classless. I mean, it's just you you can't let that happen. It is. Although Michigan won, I mean, Michigan State's they had one play that swung, was about thirty yard swing where Cody White catches that slant route and has a really sweet play where he makes a few Michigan defenders miss, right. and then he gets about a 20-yard gain, then he talks trash on the sideline, throws a flag, and then the offensive lineman comes in. Then there's two flags. And that that play completely changed the game because if, if that play stands where Cody White is after that play, Michigan State has all the momentum. They're marching down to score. Score was tied at 7-7 at that point. Michigan State probably goes up 14-7, to and who knows what happens at that point. I mean, it's college football players. They're easy to kind of mold to the momentum, where once that happened and then Michigan scores, goes up 15-7, to I mean, the game was basically over. Yeah, you could feel it at that point. And, you know, I've got to throw this out a little bit. The referees, I thought, in that game, boy, they had their hands full, and I thought they did a pretty good job at controlling it as well as they did. I mean, that was a tough one to deal with. Yeah, there was, like, there was a lot of chippiness, and, you know, like, you know, you like to see they, you like to see refs let guys kind of play a little bit. You know, there's mm-hmm. going to be a little shoving, some jawing going back and forth. You don't want to throw a flag every time some guys start talking junk to each other. But yeah, they kept things under under control, and for the most part, there wasn't anything like too outrageous. The one stupid one was when Tariq Black caught that pass and like 
stood up and flexed to the, the yeah. crowd, and they, they caught through a penalty on that. I mean, that's like, come on, man, like, people do that after every catch, it seems like. They do something. So that one, that one maybe was a little... You, you could know. see it coming, though. I mean, that's right when the referees were sending the message, we aren't putting up with anything, right? I mean, yep. I didn't really care for it, but I, when he did that, I said, I was watching, I just said, yeah, that's, that's going to be a flag. Boom, there it was. <laughs> Isn't that kind of like, what is he, why would you do that? I mean, it's going to get flagged. <laughs> right. It, it just it negates what you just did. Although, I don't know. When you, when you, well, I what's, funny, what's funny is, like, like, two plays later, Sean McCune caught a pass for, like, whatever, 25 yards Pointed first down, down the middle of the field. And stood up and did the like first down, yes, and no flag. So like that—that's what's funny is like why can you stand up and do the first down signal, but you can't stand up and flex? Good question. They're pretty similar. You know, <laughs> you know Jared, you were talking about you know that that big play, and it was. I definitely agree. You know that was a big turning point in the game. There there was a sequence that I don't know what end zone you were standing on. Hopefully you were on this end zone, but um. When Michigan State, they were going for a fourth down. It was like fourth and one at midfield. But then they got a false start, so they backed up, had the punt. Klee cuts in, blocks the punt. Very next play, they throw – Shea just like throws a dart to Nico awesome. Collins for a touchdown. Awesome. That like sequence right there I feel like is almost what ended it for Michigan State because had they got that fourth down, maybe they marched down and score or something. And like you said, maybe momentum starts turning. Blocking that punt and then the very next play throwing a, a touchdown pass, that just seemed like all, all the wind went out of the sails for, for Michigan State. Were you in yeah, that end zone for that it, Nico Collins touchdown? What's what's crazy about yesterday's game, there was only one touchdown at the opposite end zone from where I was the entire game. They all were coming toward the student section the entire game, other than the Donovan Peoples Jones, which is probably the coolest touchdown where he dove in. But no, I, and I and that punt. Somehow I shot that like perfectly. Didn't it just right on the money? I you had a feeling it was going to get blocked, and it just it was awesome. That was definitely a big big turning point. Uh, I agree with that. And our wide receivers just were balling out on quote unquote, which we've been kind of joking about all all podcast. This elite defense. I mean, they were toying with them. We kind of did what what Ohio State was doing to us last year to Michigan State. Yeah, which is just these kind of no name guys all of a sudden are like coming in and going off. Uh, Cornelius Johnson, freshman wide receiver, 39-yard touchdown catch. I mean, who were some of these guys? <laughs> Giles Jackson? Like, you know what I mean? We kind of just had a couple guys that we hadn't used all year just come out and ball out against Michigan State. Kind of kind of sets the stage or tells you what, what Harbaugh's put in place there, man. He's, he's a hell of a recruiter, and he's bringing these kids in. And, you know, all of a sudden – I mean, Michigan's feeling the mojo. I know they got a couple games left, and that Ohio State game's going to tell a lot. But, uh, you know, ever since, and we've talked about it, ever since that Penn State first half, when they started that second half, this has been the Michigan team we've been dreaming about. Yeah, and I, I think, like, what, what you guys are talking about, I think they're finally – I mean, you've still got to run the ball. I mean, that's still yep. – you know, you still have to establish the run, but they're finally seeing that the way that they're going to be in electric – one of our favorite words on this podcast – in electric offense – is by getting the ball in the playmaker's hands. Giles Jackson, Ronnie Bell, you know, getting Donovan Peoples-Jones the ball on like a bubble screen. Just doing these plays where you're just like getting the ball to your playmakers and basically saying like just go make a guy miss and make a play because that's why this offense has started to click because you've got all these guys. Like you said, Ted, Harbaugh didn't forget how to recruit. Right. Now he's got a lot of really good players on this offense. Now they're just figuring out a way to get these guys the ball and you know, I, I know Michigan State's kind of going through a lot, injuries, suspension, you know, whatever's going on. Their defense is maybe 
not as good as we expected, but it's still that's still a good defense. And for Michigan's offense to do that to them, it was impressive. You can't say anything less than that. Shea Patterson, he finally just kind of broke through. And I would be surprised if this isn't the Shea we kind of see the rest of the way, even against Ohio State. We might not win, but I think he's going to play extremely well in that game. And after the game, I listened to the post-game presser. He said, uh, I just wish he, I just wish I had two more cracks at uh, at Michigan State. And you just got to love that. I love that. I wish we did have him for a couple more years. I like that, um, too. Um, but he also said that, for once, the storyline of this game was kind of the offense and on an offensive player instead of a defense. And can we just appreciate that this wasn't a boring game for once, at least for Michigan fans? <laughs> and if Michigan State kind of had – stepped up to the plate, it would have been a back-and-forth game. But it's just – I just that was one thing I appreciated. A lot of touchdowns going up the field, great game. Yeah, yeah it was fun to listen to as well and uh, and watch. Uh, here's – you know, we don't – this podcast is a little different. We don't break down play-by-play play or anything in the game. You know, everybody knows what happened in the Michigan-Michigan State game. We give our opinion on different stuff. But I like to bring up, you know, some other things too that, that our listeners might be interested in. All three of us actually were working on uh, on Saturday. I mean, Jared, you were working the Michigan-Michigan State game, so you know, you're know you giving us your viewpoint from being down there on the sideline. I have a, a, a specific question for you. First of all, you talked about how many people were there and watching it on television. I mean, it was wall-to-wall, either media or special guests or recruits. There wasn't much room to walk around down there behind the benches at all, was there? No, the, and that's the thing. you got to get to a spot like 30 to 45 minutes before the game and you can't move or else you're not going to have a shot of the field. So I was right in front of the numbers and you actually see me in a lot of the highlights. Okay. It's just what I'm wearing is just so bland and my face is dug into a camera that you really cannot tell unless you or me and you knew exactly where I was. Yeah. I asked you that um, Friday night. I was going to ask you if you wore, would wear something different, like a fluorescent green hat or something so I could pick <laughs> you out. No, but yeah, you and they they honored the Michigan the Michigan baseball team, which I'm sure they had like a quick highlight about uh, coming out of a commercial break. Right. Um, that they, they were down on the sideline for a lot of the game. A lot of recruits were there, so yeah, it was it was packed. Now, um, did you get a chance to watch the whole game on YouTube or whatever afterwards at all? I, yeah, I go and watch the supercut of the highlights. That's called supercut. Awesome. Okay, that's what I call it. Yeah, where okay. it's basically every first down, every gain of like five or more yards every sack everything so it's about 10 to 15 minute highlight i like that now matt matt you were working too but you were able to tune into the game oh yeah i mean i was it was one of those days where i told all the people i was working with i was like definitely hit me up anything i have to do for my job but i was sitting in front of a tv with that game on Ah, you see if you saw either our podcast or my personal twitter account (laughs) you can tell that i was definitely watching the michigan game now that's the way to work (laughs) right there yeah that's like wait that's isn't that just like how you work every day? Isn't that kind of how? Isn't that how you are supposed to work? Yeah, you can't get me That's tonight, Jared. You can't get me tonight. <laughs> hey, That's but you, no, I'm going to set you up. I'm going to set you up on one. That's kind of what I led this whole little sequence into. Okay, so I was working as well. I was doing an eight-man football high school in Michigan here semifinal. I was down in Colon, Michigan, right, doing the Colon Magi and the Morris Orioles, and. Before I left, I set my DVR. You know, I'm a DVR guy, and I figured I'd come home. You know, I'd know the score, but I still want to sit down, enjoy, and watch the game. So Michigan started at noon. Um, our game started at 1. So I get to, the, get to the press box, and usually the PA announcer is saying the score of the Michigan game. Yeah. 
you know, and, and I already had resigned myself that, okay, I'm not going to try and play the game where I'm not going to know the score. Well, 1 o'clock, the game time starting, and I hadn't heard one whisper on the game, right? So I'm thinking to myself, well, do people really need to have me tweet the score of this game? So I went Twitter silent. <laughs> I, uh, I did not hear one iota on what happened in the game. I got to the van after the game, and I told my partner, Joe Smith, who was working the game with me, I said, hey, nobody told me anything about the game. I know you're going to look on your phone, but you know, just don't clue me in. I think I'm going to go home and watch this game. So I know that I'm setting you up. I, I got home at 530. I didn't know anything else that was going on in college football, and I sat down with my wife, and we watched it just like it was live. And I'm going to tell you, I enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> it was awesome. I, I'm telling you, I trust me, I can understand you wanting to do that because you can fast-forward through all the commercials. You can watch halftime. a three-and-a-half-hour, four-hour broadcast in whatever, half the time. Yeah. I would have been – I know you were working, so you, you had obligations – I would have been going insane if I got back to that van, knowing the game was over, knowing the rest of the world knows what happens. This could have been the best game in the history of college football, and you don't know the outcome. That, I would have been going insane. That's that's you know, the generation you to, like, thing. Be that disciplined to yeah. your DVR. Yep. Well, here's the other thing, boys. I had, and Jared, you saw my Michigan coat that I wear. Got the, you know Michigan in block letters on the back of my jacket. Well, I decided to break out my big block M hat for the occasion there Saturday. So you know I'm wearing my Michigan gear, and nobody came up to me and says, "Boy, we stunned you today," or "You guys kicked ass." <laughs> nobody said a word to me. So I thought, I, "This is awesome." I can't believe that that PA announcer was not relishing giving score updates at, throughout the entire. Yeah, he game. dropped the ball, didn't believe- he? He dropped the ball. He really did. That I, I remember being at a youth, and this is something that I kind of had a realization of on my way down, just kind of listening to the radio on my way down to the Michigan-Michigan State game. Where did my, like, hatred for MSU start? <laughs> this is kind of like the, the backstory of, like, a villain. Like, why did he go bad? Because I, I used to not, I used to go to Midnight Madness. I used to go to Michigan State's. You know, I would never really used to hate Michigan State. I kind of liked them. But, um, I liked Michigan a little bit more, but I didn't hate Michigan State. It all started, it's funny that you say this, a youth game. Right before my youth football game one year, when Michigan uh, Michigan was playing Michigan State, this probably would have been Rich Rod's last season, and they announced in the PA that Michigan State had beaten Michigan right before our kick. And the entire team all around me was, like, laughing in my face for about five <laughs> minutes about it, where it just it threw me off the entire – I didn't even care about the youth game at that point. I was so, so pissed. And, and I kind of traced it back. That's where this all started. Oh. And I kind of have rolled with it ever since. So that PA announcer – Really dropped the ball there. I can't believe that you, on the other hand, you let it affect your job. Your job, first and foremost, is to be a mid-Michigan high school sports broadcaster. (laughs) And what goes with that is tweeting out live updates of the score. So I will say I do think you dropped the ball a little bit there. But I've never had any. I've never had any. Never had any directive from my radio station to have to tweet anything out. So that just that. You think it goes with the territory, which it kind of does, but there there were other tor- other sources out there on Twitter people could follow. So I took the bullet for that one. I d- if I would have heard the score, I would have probably gone back on there, but I didn't hear a squeak. So well, honestly, like I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm listening to you guys talk about you know Jared's story and then you, Ted. I wonder if the PA announcer, like purposely, maybe even before your the Morris Colon game, 
thought I'm not going to give updates because this is a big playoff game. It was the semifinals, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, I know, Jared, it's, you were at going to a youth football game. <laughs> but, like, yeah. maybe he didn't want to throw off, say, some players, you know, they're – they hear the you know Michigan Michigan State's down by thirty. Right. So on the sidelines, like holy shit, did you hear that Michigan Michigan State score? You know, like didn't want to throw off the players. I wonder if that conversation happened. You never know, but yeah. he did me a big favor. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Seriously, no one. That is crazy that no one said did. Now, did your radio partner, uh, my uncle Joe, did he didn't he knew what the score was the entire time, and you weren't smart enough to kind of pick up on the fact that. No. No, he was in a sour mood, maybe because of it, because he's a Michigan State fan, right? He is a Michigan State fan. No, he was doing his job, so I don't think he was looking at his phone for the score. Uh, he looked at it probably when we got in the van. But Joe's been down this road with me before. He knows how to not to even give any inkling. If I say to him, "Hey, Joe, nobody said anything to me about the Michigan game. I know I don't know anything at all about it. So I'm just gonna chit chat with you on the way home, and I'm gonna watch it. And that's what we did, man. A true story. That's pretty cool. I'm both of you guys. That you're, you're so committed to the DVR that you can. I know. It's probably something I need to go see a 12-step program on, possibly, you know, because there is an issue there without a doubt, but it worked good. It's almost, yeah, yeah it's almost like you, you schedule um, things to do, like during games that you want to watch, just so that you can have an excuse to DVR it. <laughs> but I don't think you needed to throw out the designation that it was a true story. It's not that wild. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I guess you knowing me, it's not that wild for sure. <laughs> so before we started recording, and we were, we were talking a little bit off air, um, I told you guys that I had looked up colon. I, I thought it was pronounced Cologne, but so it's pronounced Colon, Michigan. Colon, Michigan, yeah. Yeah, so I, I looked them up because I was just curious. When I saw you were doing that game, and I think you said you, you probably know what I'm about to say, Jared. I don't know if you know this, but I just looked up the town to see – you know, where it was, what it was about, or whatever. I knew they played eight-man football, so I just wanted to look them up. So they're the Magi. They're, they're mascot. I think that's where it came from. I saw you tweet yeah. out their mascot. Yep. It looks like some some kid just, like, drew in paint a rabbit with a <laughs> black top hat on. So that's what made me like, why are they the Magi? What is this mascot? So it's wild. They are the United States Congress recognizes Colon, Michigan, as the magic capital of the world. It is the home of the Abbott Magic Company, and, like, Percy Abbott, Harry Blackstone Sr., all these, like, famous magicians or, like, uh, manufacturers of magic gear and, you know, tools and stuff, like, lived and settled in Colon, Michigan. So, like, I just, I couldn't believe it. So their mascot, they're the Magi, and their mascot is... It's the rabbit. You pull out of the hat. uh, Yeah, rabbit with a top hat on. That's just... The Congress recognizes Colon, Michigan, as the magic capital of the world. Yeah, no, no, it is why because I actually have covered them a couple times up here, and when you're driving into this little eight-man football town, yep, all you see are these like the signs, you know, on the on the the lights above the road, like on Main Street, it, saying how it's the magic capital of the world. And then you get to the game and you you hear the nickname. I think it's is it the Magi? Magi. Or the Magi. Oh, it's the Magi. It's, yeah, pronounced it's pronounced Magi. Yeah. And this is the debate that I've had. I actually had this with my dad as well, and with uh, Ted on at fr- on Friday night ga- night's game, which we, we should probably discuss a little bit as well. I agree. Is it is that like the plural for for ma- magicians? Like, wouldn't they just be the magicians, or is magi some other term for like multiple magicians, or is it talking about like the three wise men, the the magi that you know at Jesus's birth or whatever? What is the 
what is up with their mascot name? It does not make sense to me. You know what? I never did look it up. I mean, I, I assume it's something we could look up. But... That was the one job we asked you. <laughs> I was a little busy. Sorry. I was watching that <laughs> Michigan game. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think it is probably plural, probably some term plural. I don't think it has to do with the uh, wise men, but uh, I don't know the answer. So, Matt, I, I did a quick search. Modern day podcasting, you can do this research on the fly. Magi or magi is a term used since at least the sixth century BC to denote followers of Mazdaism or Zoroaster, like forms of magic. Magic, yeah, like witchcraft magic, that type yeah, of thing, yeah, right? Back then, that kind of stuff. So the earliest known usage of the word magi is in the in inscription written by Darius the Great. So yeah, it goes back all the way to the 6th century BC. Well, think about this too. They had the, the fans there are they're they're very rabid, if you will. And uh <laughs> they had they had some pretty cool gear, you know. They had the they had the the, the ski caps that looked like rabbits and stuff. It, it was pretty neat. Enjoyed it. We we will talk about the other game that Jared and I were at on Friday night. We'll touch on that a little bit here. Just a reminder that the coronaconnection.com, they know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at coronaconnection.com and also Advanced Elevator Company. They feature top expert field technicians for installation trouble, shooting and repair of elevators, an area business leader and a longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner here on Three Point Podcast. Yeah, the other game... It was a game of the year in the high in high school in Michigan, wouldn't you say, Jared? If we're moving on from Michigan State, I got to tie off one little topic on Mark D'Antonio. Oh, okay, yeah, we can do that for sure. Okay, so Mark D'Antonio, we we've talked a lot about if this is going to be his last year. Um, you know, if he's going to retire, obviously we've all said they're not going to fire him. If there's going to be mutual separation, you know, whatever. I've gotten into some pretty good debates with Spartan fans about kind of how how his career has gone as a Michigan State head coach. He's the best coach they've ever had in their football history. We've all said that, and he is. He's a great coach, probably going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame, all that kind of stuff. But you cannot ignore the fact, and I, I'm curious what you guys think, you cannot ignore the fact that his success kind of started when Lloyd Carr retired or, you know, kind of left Michigan. Penn State was going through the sanctions and everything they were going through. Even Ohio State had, you know, their couple little years of Luke Fickle as head coach, and they weren't bowl eligible for a year. You can't ignore the fact that in the years that Michigan is not coached by Lloyd Carr or Jim Harbaugh, he's 6-1 and one against Michigan. But when Michigan is coached by Lloyd Carr or Jim Harbaugh, he's 2-4. and four. He, So I, I looked it up. 168 games as a head coach overall, 13 years at Michigan State, counting the season. 66% win percentage. In the years that Rich Rod or Hoke are coaching Michigan, jumps up to 73%. So all of a sudden he starts winning a little more. Harbaugh comes in, and the one year that Lloyd Carr was there, his win percentage falls down to 57%. So I, I just I can't believe that Michigan State fans, I, I know that they love Mark D'Antonio and what he did for Michigan State, but that they can't recognize the fact that his success, at least in my opinion, I, I don't know what you guys think, kind of started and, you know, was there when Michigan was going through two of the worst head coaches they ever had. Penn State was going through sanctions and scholarship loss, and even Ohio State was going through some stuff. Oh, I'm glad you brought it. I'm glad you added Penn State and Ohio State. I was going to add that before uh, Jared gives his opinion. Go ahead, Jared. I will say he has beaten Urban Meyer twice, which is something that Jim Harbaugh never did, Yep, uh, never is going to have a chance to do. I, I, I guess it's like how can we penalize him? I, I don't think it's fair to penalize him for that because it's 
someone like what do you want him to do i guess like lose those games against like the the i mean it was michigan that hired hoke it was michigan that hired richrod it was penn state that had these sanctions come about them so i guess although i do see like there is a correlation definitely that that's why michigan state did rise to power and it was more of an anomaly than like something d'antonio is going to be able to sustain i do think you do have to say like well somebody in the big 10 kind of had to step up and it, and it was him so you, i think you do kind of have to cheaper capital way to him wow yeah i guess that that's my point is that i'm not like penalizing him or saying you know you take the wins away or you know something like that like you said you have to tip your cap and say he went out there turned the program around in one game so he got to the college football playoff and then lost 38 to zero but he, he turned that program around in one game so you can't take that away but when Michigan State fans act like he's one of the greatest coaches in the history of the Big Ten that he's up on he was up on like Urban Meyer's level or he's a better coach than Jim Harbaugh or all this stuff when they act like he's like the John Wooden of college football coaches I think there needs to be a little asterisk because, you know, some of the traditional powers in the Big Ten were going through coaching turmoil, program turmoil, sanctions, and stuff like that. And I think that stuff aided his success because when you see that, the, you know, the year Lloyd Carr was there and then when Harbaugh comes in, when James Franklin turns around Penn State, isn't it a little odd that all of a sudden recruiting starts dipping off for Michigan State and his win percentage drops by, like, almost 20 percentage points? Well, I think, first of all, you're, the facts are the facts. I mean, you laid them out. They're the facts. Now, as far as my opinion on an asterisk, absolutely not. I mean, it goes on in every conference. Cycles like that happen. It's it's a fact, though, everything you laid out, but he still beat the teams in front of him, so still a Hall of Fame say, coach. I do think another thing that's hurt D'Antonio, I do think he's a good coach, and I do, but I do think, obviously, Jim Harbaugh coming into Michigan is hurt recruiting. Mm-hmm. But the, the loss of Pat Narduzzi really has been kind of swept under the rug. That's true. Since Narduzzi has left, they've slowly kind of gone downhill. And that defense, which I know it, it, we joke about it a lot, is that it's not elite anymore. And that was what D'Antonio always held his hat on. And who did he always have to running that defense? It was Pat Narduzzi. So I think that that is also kind of plays. I think you also got to throw that into there. That although all these other programs kind of started going on the rise, Losing Pat Narduzzi definitely really hurt Antonio as well. So I guess that that's also one of my points is, you know, how great – I know a head coach, especially in football, you know, assistants, offensive, defensive coordinators, that's a big part of being a good head coach. But, I mean, you could look at a guy like Nick Saban or even in NFL, Bill Belichick, you know, they can cycle through offensive and defensive coordinators and they keep right on ticking. So all of a sudden we're going to make an excuse for D'Antonio because he lost Narduzzi. You know, they're not as good, or he's just keeping his buddies around to run his offense, and, you know, their offense obviously is atrocious. So I, that, saying an asterisk, that probably wasn't the right way to say it because, yes, he, he still gets credit for all those wins. I just, when, when Michigan State fans act like he, you know, is like their Nick Saban when he kind of had, had his success when the Big Ten was one of the lower conferences in college football, it kind of makes me laugh, and it's just – I. You know, sometimes I just wish they would maybe admit that maybe he's not as great of a coach as they thought. Well, you know, I've always looked at Michigan State's program, and I know there are probably some of the Spartan fans out there will get ticked at me, but, you know, I, I put, even though Michigan's been on tough times and Harbaugh hasn't been able to beat Ohio State yet, I put Michigan and Ohio State and even maybe Wisconsin at that top tier. And I would think that... If you compare D'Antonio to anyone, maybe a Kurt Ferentz. You know, he, he's always competitive in Iowa. He's always putting up eight, nine-win seasons. 
He's always doing it with uh, three and four star recruits. And I think if Michigan State, the next guy, if D'Antonio does leave, the next guy they bring in, he kind of puts in that same kind of plan, the goal. Yeah, it's the goal is to win Big Ten championships and get in that national championship picture, but reality says if I can be like Iowa and just be consistent and always win eight games a season, that's where my program needs to be. You guys got any thoughts on that? No, I agree. And I will say this. I, yeah, it's true that I don't think D'Antonio, that is one of his things. He hasn't been able to weather the loss of D'Antonio or of Narduzzi. Whereas Michigan, I mean, remember, if we remember, it's kind of funny to look back on now. After Harbaugh's first year, DJ Durkin left for Maryland. Right. And I remember thinking at the time, like, what are we going to do? Who's going to take over this defense? Little do we know Don Brown would come in. And same thing goes. I mean, we've lost Greg Madison. There's a few coaches who can kind of overcome that. Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh to some extent. Uh, obviously, Ohio State lost their head coach, and they're still clicking yeah, away. So rolling. maybe Ryan Day is going to be in that as well. So I do think that that is one of Antonio's faults. Is Maybe he was too reliant on Narduzzi. Maybe he was kind of living off of his Narduzzi's like defensive mind more than his, his, his own. What happens this offseason, I think we're all going to be re- real curious what happens with D'Antonio. But, you know, if, if they are going to move on from him, they better bring in the right guy because, you know, you don't want, you don't want to lose what he has built, you know, Michigan State into. Yeah, and I'm hearing people like maybe one of Clemson's coordinators. I've heard Spartan fans say they don't want Narduzzi. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Is, is that a, is it a big, big step up to go from Pitt to Michigan State? I mean, you got to think about this. If if he leaves Pitt to go to to Michigan State, he's got to compete with Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, Minnesota. If PJ Fleck has them rolling, you know, so maybe. Right. Maybe, you know, you look at that, that you have to compete within the Big Ten. Yeah, I don't, I, it kind of has, like, a nice, like, ring to it, like Narduzzi coming home. But I don't know if that is a better job. I mean, Pittsburgh kind of has a, more of a richer history than Michigan State does when it comes to football. And that, like you said, yeah, I mean, the ACC is a lot worse of a conference, but Narduzzi hasn't exactly done a great job at Pitt, so maybe he wants a change of pasture. But let me ask, do we want D'Antonio to retire? I really don't. I don't. And I know we joke about that. I he brings something to this rivalry, and I and although yesterday was great, I don't want that to become the norm. And I know a lot of Michigan fans do. I like having a little bit of back and forth. Maybe Michigan wins six out of ten games, seven out of ten games, but I don't want it to be. Oh, now it's like it's not even a rivalry anymore, which is kind of how it felt a little bit yesterday. And and if it continues that way, I don't want that. I hundred percent agree. It's not a rivalry if you win every game. Yeah, and that's that's what people, Michigan fans, and you know everyone else is struggling with with the game, Ohio State-Michigan. I mean, yeah. how is this still the, the best rivalry in all of sports if Michigan hasn't won in basically 20 years, you know? So, I mean, that's that's kind of, that you know, we bring the generational thing, and that's kind of what I grew up with through the 90s and early 2000s when Michigan was really dominating the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. It, that That's why it was. It was just like it was a big rivalry because of the Michigan-Michigan State stuff that we've talked about, the in-state rivalry. But it wasn't looked at like it has, you know, for you, Jared, the last, you know, 10 years or whatever, because it, Michigan was just dominating. So, yeah, as cool as it was watching just that complete ass-whooping yesterday, you don't want that to become the norm because then, you know, it would be like Ohio State fans now towards Michigan. They just laugh about that game probably. Well, let's, click, let's keep rolling here a little bit on more on college football and the Big Ten. I, here's a question for you. It's, it's cliche, but I think here's my, here's my thought. Michigan, they come off with this emotional win over Michigan State. They've got 
the the final game against Ohio State that they're going to be sky high. But is this a true trap game in Bloomington against Indiana coming up? I think so. I mean, Indiana, they play Michigan tough. You know, it's always one of those games that they play Michigan tough, and it's a road game. I'm glad it's not a night game. It's a 30 game. Because if it was at night, then I would be like, man, that's like upset city. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think it's a trap game coming off the Michigan State game, looking ahead to Ohio State. They better not mess around because Indiana, they're not – they're, they're a decent team this year. They they hung with Penn State last, or this past week. Yeah, weekend. it's kind of the definition of a trap game, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It, it is, and the thing is, I mean, it's Indiana. True. It, it, Seven it, wins. It, you, I don't care if it's a trap game. If you end up losing to Indiana, then that just shows you that this team wasn't good, that they're not a champion. Or they team. weren't prepared. They had no chance against Ohio State. Yeah. You know, it, it's and I know that this, Indiana, this is one of the better Indiana teams in a while, and they didn't have Michael Penix Jr. versus Penn State, but – just the thing is, I mean, I don't really look too much into that trap game when it's a team like Indiana. Okay. Where if, it, if it's Iowa, I see that. But if it's if it's Indiana, I mean, just you got to win the game regardless. Yeah, well, even if it's ugly, kind of like the, yeah. the Illinois game. You just got to figure out a way to win that if you're Michigan. And Harbaugh has shown that he he does take care of business in these kind of games. Yeah. I just have one more question before we move on from Michigan. Sorry to keep bringing it back around. No, uh, it's all right. To talk about okay. because we loved it. What the hell was Don? This is my one complaint. What the hell was Donovan Peoples-Jones doing? Was there something said on the broadcast about this? Why did Donovan Peoples-Jones just start, like, basically half walk, half jogging in the middle of that punt return? Where he was going to basically score a touchdown on it. Then he just decided to start basically jogging. And then he fumbles, and Michigan State recovered. What the hell was going on there? That was a weird play because I think there were, like, two or three penalties on that play. So I I don't know if Clatt said it or if I just heard someone say yeah, because he, he did kind of, like, let up, and I don't know if he was jogging, trying to let some blocks, but someone said it looked like he thought maybe the play was being blown dead, and then everyone was still running and trying to tackle him, so he kept running, but, yeah, then he fumbled it. Yeah, that was a weird play. That I don't was. know. Maybe he was tired. Yeah, I don't have an answer. Yeah. It ended up, yeah, it was, well, what happened was one of the coaches ran into the referee on Michigan right. sideline, then they got penalized for that. That's what ended up bringing it back. So. Oh, I think it was Harbaugh even, I think. That's one of those things that I missed when, you know, you don't see that on the sideline. Right. I didn't know who it was. Yeah. But, yeah. Probably. On the replay, yeah, anyway. it looked like it was Harbaugh. Of course, they all wear the khaki pants, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was just that was a fun game. But, I mean, like you said, I, you know, as cool as it is to see that, you know, I, I wouldn't want – I don't know if you guys watch. I don't know if we'll talk about it in Ted Entertainment tonight. If, if you guys watch that Divided We Stand, that, uh, that show that FS1 aired. But, you know, D'Antonio brought that hate back into the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. And, you know, if they do move on from him, you hope that they don't bring uh, whatever you want, an outsider, you know, someone that loses that, that hate because it's definitely fun. You know, we, we rip on Michigan State. We, we say whatever, but it's a fun rivalry for sure. Well, that was one it's of my notes fun. for Tedertainment tonight, but let's talk about it right now. I mean, I did have a chance to watch it. I DVR'd it. And uh, watch Divided We Stand. I thought, first of all, it was a great production. It, it definitely set the tone for this rivalry, both in football and basketball. And I think you can certainly argue that Michigan against Michigan State is the best football-basketball rivalry in the country. I think 2015 was the peak that this rivalry will ever get to. You know, Harbaugh's first year, Michigan State's the best they've ever been. Michigan, they both were coming into the game red hot. I think if you had like measured it at that point in time, I think it was. But when you look at it like yesterday, like one of the things we complained about was the Michigan State fans. Oh, you guys won this year. That's why. We, that's what we don't want this rivalry to turn into, because it's no fun when they just when they expect to lose and then they lose and it's 
they don't really care. That's not what we want. And no. So that's what makes me say that I think 2015, if you had said that in 2015, I would have agreed. Yep. And kind of the same, you know, we're talking about the two sports, kind of the same with basketball. You know, Beeline turned it into he, – he turned Michigan around. We know that. And hopefully I, I still – you know, I'm confident in Joan Howard as the basketball coach, but there's a lot of, you know, question marks or whatever how he's going to be. Hopefully – he's able to keep Michigan rolling, so all of a sudden Izzo and the Spartans don't rip off eight straight against Michigan or something. Yeah. I mean, they already won three straight last year, right? So right. hopefully, you know, Juwan can kind of keep the basketball program rolling too. Yeah, let's hope so. But it was a good show. Did you see it, Matt? It, it was good. It got me fired up. And, I mean, you know, it's one of those things, like, I would see him beeline with the Cleveland Cavaliers shirt on kind of yeah. made me, like, sad. Yeah, I miss him. I, I know. Like I said, I'm, I'm excited for Juwan Howard, but, man, seeing, seeing beeline, you know, you miss him as the head coach. But it was one of those things, because I'm a Michigan fan, man, it had me Draymond on there, and then D'Antonio, some of the stuff he was saying. Right. Had me fired up. <laughs> had me fired up. <laughs> I made sure I watched it before I watched the football game. That was that was a good setup show, for sure. All right, before we move on to other things, uh, have we have we talked enough about the Spartan-Wolverine game, first of all? Anything else we want to get into? I mean, we could probably no. keep going, but I know you guys yeah. are getting into the the Friday night game. You guys did. Well, I was going to before I move move to that that game, and then we'll have some entertainment tonight as well. Uh, the other big story this weekend in college football, obviously, was the injury to Tua. And man, the talking heads were going wild on that. You know, I mean, saying, "Oh, Saban should have pulled him out." I mean, it was still in the first half for crying out loud. And if you're going to make that argument, he shouldn't have played at all. I mean, do you guys have thoughts on that as far as, you know, yeah, he had a bad ankle and he's been, he has had a few injuries and now the dislocated hip, from what I'm hearing, the doctors have said it's, it's going to be okay, but boy, don't you, let's just hope it doesn't become a Bo Jackson thing. We were watching, obviously, here at the SEC Network, we have, you know, insiders, you know, whatever you want to say, right. and leading up to that game, people were saying, we, we were getting reports and people were telling us that he was like gimpy barely able to practice like fully all week mm. and then we had cameras on alabama's pregame so two or three hours when they're on the field just in shorts and a t-shirt jogging around trying to get warmed up i mean he looked like he was running on one leg he had like a whole roll of tape around that one ankle and he was gimpy you could tell he was not 100 percent to the point where we were like this is mississippi state you can win this with your third string quarterback probably why is he even out there they go up 35-7 to seven in the second quarter. I get he's a competitor. I get, like you said, Ted, it's still the first half. But it's like, yeah, if, you, Tua did not need to play in that game, I guess is the point. Well, they still would have won by 30. Well, the thing, my, you know. Yeah, my, my argument to that would be, I mean, it's not like he re-injured his ankle. You know, it ended up being his hip. So although it might not have looked good, if, if Tua wanted to go, then I'm okay with putting him out there. And it's just unfortunate. I mean, yeah, they had a big lead, but – I, I think what they probably were going to do is he's, he wasn't going to play the entire second half. So it's just unfortunate that, you know, it's kind of a freak accident where a few minutes here, I mean, I know they're up by 35-7, but when you're a coach, just say, oh, okay, let's get to halftime, then you can call the game there. Yeah. You know, one more drive. And it's, I think that's probably what happened. It's just well, no, what, it's what's crazy is right before that drive, there there was a camera on the sideline. Yeah, they talked. commercial break. Uh, I don't know if they showed it or if you guys ended up seeing it on Twitter or something. I saw it. Saban had pulled Tua out. He Saban said that you could see him saying, you know, you're done, whatever. But then in the huddle before they went on the field, Tua went to him and said, whatever he said, I want to finish the half or oh, whatever. I want to do a two-minute drill or whatever. 
yeah, that drive he got how hurt. How sad so. is that? Yeah, it's a, it, it's, it is. No matter how you cut it, man, that is a sad story right there because he's a class guy, you know, and fun to watch. You know, you know it, it's, it brings up the argument, you know, if he wouldn't have played one down, down that, you know, he have to be three years removed from high school to go to the NFL. If he wouldn't have played one snap this year and just said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sitting out, I'll stay in shape and get ready for the NFL draft, he still would have been a top five pick in the NFL draft just off what he's done you know, his first two years in college. And now he's going to have surgery. Like you said, the doctors are hopeful. You know, does this affect him being a top five pick in the NFL draft? Like, that's what's crazy. Yeah. I mean, everybody was injury, in. I think it probably keeps him out of the college football playoff as well, which is imagine if they had just played their backup against LSU because they lost anyway and just had the, the backup lose to LSU, had the backup play against Mississippi State, then bring to a, you know, for like the Auburn game or something, and then they just rolled Auburn. They probably would have been in the college football playoff because it was like, oh, they lost to LSU without Tua. Doesn't count. It almost would have been smarter to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just a sad, sad story for sure. All right. Well, we got some other stuff we're going to get into right at the moment. Before we do, though, we all like a great deal, right? Well, go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house is packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Sign up for email notifications or call their main man, Troy Crow, at 989-720-SELL for other details. And also, if, if you're looking for some fun, I'm going to tell you where to go. Stop into Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Weekends are really hot as you can cheer on the Spartans, Wolverines, Lions, Red Wings, Pistons. Just have some fun. Check out the band Double Shot on the 22nd and come on back the next morning, the 23rd, for the Corona Inline Hockey Cornhole Tournament. Over 20 high-def TVs and just awesome food and drink. Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. Well, as I mentioned earlier on, we were all doing our sports business this last weekend, and mine started out Friday night over at New Lothrop High School. Jared was over there shooting film covering Pawama Westphalia. It was the number one New Lothrop Hornets taking on the number two PW Pirates in uh, the Division 7 uh, regional championship, and really, it was the game of the weekend throughout the state of Michigan. I think you know it might have been a lower class in Division Seven, but this game had everything you could want. And just first of all, I wanted to get some of Jared's thoughts being down on the field. Were there some pad popping going on? Yeah, it, it, I mean, I was down on the field. It was kind of cool how we had two different, uh, you know, Fatels working the game in two different capacities, yeah. or however you want to say it. But uh, I'm disappointed because it had the potential to be maybe the best high school football game that we had ever seen. Am I wrong? You mean if, you mean at the tail end there where New Lothrop scored t- and went for the kick and it was wide left? And you feel horrible about, I don't know who the player was that missed it, but you just feel horrible. I mean, I can't right. imagine how bad he feels. But so, Matt, let me lay out why this was such a game to you, such a great game. So, Puano goes up 29-8 to uh, with about 30 seconds left in the first half. And then New Lothrop scores, you know, it was almost like an NCAA football video game where you took can't them tw- leave any time. You can't leave any time on the clock because they're going to score. Took them 20 so seconds. <laughs> 20 seconds. So they score again before half. So it goes, so they're down 29 to 8, then 29 to uh, 15 or 14. Well, hold up. Yeah. To, to kind of set the stage, it was 29 8 with 40 seconds to go in the half. Uh, New Lothrop scored the TD in 20 seconds, and they had the ball to start the second half. They had deferred and, and elected to have the ball in the second half. Go back. Take over. So they come they come storming all the way back. Puamo scores one more time uh, in the second half. And New Lothar scores with about, what, three minutes left? Yep. Uh, five minutes. Five, five Just under five. five. Minutes left to cut the lead to 35 to 36. 
and then they miss the extra point, and Puamo runs out the clock, and that's the end of the game. And, and it's just, I don't know, is, is it the with five minutes left, what do we think? Do you go for two there? Because the, neither team could stop the other team. That's mm-hmm. the thing that, right. where I don't know if going for two really does anything, because it's going to come down to whether or not you can stop. Oh, going for two does, know. it, it yeah. does. I mean, in hindsight, if you looked at it, if they go for two and are stopped, they're no worse off than they were the way it ended up, right? And, and PW did end up driving all the way down to the five-yard line and ended the game, basically, by taking a knee. But I know uh, Clint Galvis, who's probably one of the best high school coaches in the state, he was asked that question uh, by one of the reporters after the game, and they actually they contemplated going for two, but they felt that if they kicked it up, their defense was going to stand up, and, and they were playing at that point to be and have the home field advantage and win it in overtime. If that's a good strategy, I don't know. It didn't pay off for them, but it was a hell of a game, and you're right. If they had went for the two and stopped Puama Westphalia the rest of the way, it would been the story of ages. And what, what also, also kind of plays into this game is I was just impressed because it was two really good programs, and there's a huge – they've kind of become rivals. Yes. And it, it, they were just both executing. I mean, it was two completely different styles. I wouldn't necessarily say it was poor defense. Right. I just think it was New Lothrop had the better athletes, so they were just exploiting them through the air. And Puamo had the better offensive line, so they were just running the ball at will. And, and it's good to see a game where kids aren't just making mistakes and almost screwing it up. Where they're so they're well coached, so they're they're just gonna keep scoring and keep you know kind of exploiting their advantages. And that's that's kind of what the game was like to me. It was. And the atmosphere was pretty awesome too. I mean, I, I'm sure you noticed it. I mean, they were. This is Division Seven football at New Lothrop Hornet Field, and the stands were completely jam packed on the Puamo Westphalia side. Those stands, and they have quite a, a fairly big stand for the visiting team, and and they were lined up three deep all the way the length of the football field on both sides. I mean, it was it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, it was a great game. Uh, but just like I said, a little bit disappointed where I feel it mm-hmm. could have been. You know, all time because neither of them would have been able to stop each other in the overtime. Yeah, it would have just kept going. I don't know how that would. Have. They may have had five overtimes before it was finally decided. But, yeah, I know you, yeah. you labeled. So we we uploaded that to our podcast site, the the radio call. So if anyone wants to listen to that, you label it instant classic. So I was curious to hear how that game went. Yeah, it, it, I would say it was a classic, wouldn't you, Jared? Yeah. Yep. Great. That was a great game. Absolutely. All right, guys. I mean, we could get into the Lions. We're recording this on Sunday night, but without Matt Stafford the last two weeks, I'll just make one comment. This this backup quarterback they got, he's not too bad. I mean, he's, I never even heard of the dude, but he's he's pretty good. But I've I I have to admit it. I mean, I've pretty much lost my my mojo and interest in the Lions. I've I slept pre- pretty much through half the game today. You and Jared both said. You treated this like a, a Tigers baseball game, and you slept through the third and the sixth innings, and then you woke up for the fourth quarter. Is that kind of how it went? Pretty close. Yeah, pretty, I woke up and saw, like, oh, 35-27. They kind of put up a good fight. It actually seemed like it wasn't that bad of a game. But, no, I yeah, literally probably from one fifteen to 5, I was sleeping. It was a great nap. It was a great nap. That's a power nap, baby. Yeah. I mean – I mean, the best thing, I don't know, I, you know, I'm, I'm still a Lions fan. I'm going to watch every game this year, but I'm kind of with you. The, the excitement is kind of gone. Driscoll, I mean, he was a ridiculous recruit coming out of high school, had a kind of so-so college career. But, you know, he's, he's a playmaker. The one thing, the offense looks like they're still kind of clicking with Bevel as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I'm not mad about the offense. The defense is what is just almost like sickening. Horrendous. Bringing, 
you bring in Matt Patricia, who's supposed to be like defensive guru or whatever, and I know they've had some injuries on defense, but man, it's the NFL, and they look like I, they look like they're like checked out. I don't know, like the defense is just. I can't stand how they get faked out on every play. They just miss tackles, over pursue. It's just the defense is crazy disappointing. Yeah, in the off season, they better they better shore that up somehow. All right, that's enough on the Lions, fellas. <laughs> that's all I got to say. Um, let's let's tell you what. Cue it up. Let's get a little entertainment tonight going. All right, guys, it's been a while since uh, we've taken a look at the entertainment world. And the first spot I want to jump into is the world of music. I know Matt went to a concert recently, but before we, before we get the concert review, um, I have a question for you guys. Again, this is a generational show, and the question I have is, when you want to listen to some music, where do, where do you guys get your music? I go to Spotify. It's usually where I listen to music. Um... My parents pay for Actually, no, I do pay for it nowadays. <laughs> you just, it's, just, it's a great deal. I mean, it beats having to buy you know each song for 99 cents like we used to have to do in the, back in the day, Ted. Yep. Oh, geez. No, this, I, this is, I'm with you. That's a, that's a generational comment as there is because, you, like you saying, you used to have to pay 99 cents per song. You're probably talking about like on iTunes. But you, yeah. you don't remember. I mean, you weren't around for the days when, like, like for me, when Napster came out. Bear share, you know, all these. You got it all for free. Where we were illegally downloading all the songs, I mean, on dial up internet. So, I mean, we used to download that stuff for free. So it was just funny hearing you say, pay for every song for 99 cents. I say that, but my brothers actually uh, took it upon themselves to infect my iPod with uh, LimeWire. So it only lasted Lime for about a year before, bro. Just to answer your question real quick, Ted, I, yeah. I knew Jared was going to go Spotify, as Spotify is cool. I, I have Amazon Prime. I think, like, most people do have Amazon Prime. So I use their music site because if you're a Prime Unlimited, uh, you know, subscriber, you get all the music on the Amazon Prime library. So that's kind of what I use mostly. Yeah, I'm, I haven't got into that. I should because I am an Amazon Prime holder. Uh, but I do listen to Spotify sometimes. But really, my go-to is uh, SiriusXM, you know, and... You know, you guys have different musical tastes than I do, though, Matt. You kind of you you do have some some likings of classic ri- classic rock, as does Jared. But I find myself on Sirius listening to the Garth Channel a lot. A lot. It's basically Garth Brooks's uh, his what what they used to call it on the I- iPads or I- his playlist. His playlist. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So it's Garth's playlist. So you get some Garth Brooks. Uh, music, but also the, the music he likes. There's also a channel on there called the Covers Channel. I don't know if, what you guys think about bands that play cover songs, but it's an awesome channel. You know, you'll hear like, just for example, you know Greta Van Fleet. Well, they they might play a Led Zeppelin song, or it's it's different bands playing different groups' music. I really enjoy that. You hear the different arrangements. Uh, I, I like cover bands, especially like uh, if you you know a bar or you see somewhere having like some cover bands some live music yeah i think that's cool but really what i wanted to get into this segment i know you had a chance to see one of the all-time legends in music tell us a little bit about it yes sir elton john i mean he's a knight so i mean (laughs) and we actually yeah so i I saw elton john a couple weeks ago and we actually looked it up my wife um after the concert because we were curious his net worth is 500 million plus and he's as far as solo artists, he's the most successful solo artist in the history of music. So, I mean, yeah, he's he's as legendary as they come, as, uh, you know, a musician goes or a band or whatever you want to say. And, you know, he's on his final tour. So he, he came to Charlotte, and 
you know, as you can imagine, tickets were pretty outrageous. I mean, of the whole week leading up, we had wanted to go for a while. We just hadn't pulled the plug and and bought tickets because there, you know, even the bad seats were like three, four hundred bucks, and we're like, we're not about to drop eight, nine hundred bucks to go see this concert. But you know, talking to some people at work who were going, we were like, man, let's wait until like five o'clock before the show, five, six o'clock before the show on StubHub, and I bet these tickets are going to drop. And sure enough, we got some seats. They were on the upper deck, but we were sitting right behind the stage. I mean, honestly, we were, they were like great seats. We were sitting right behind, like we could see Elton John the whole time right in front of us playing on his piano for like 150, 160 bucks per ticket. So still a little pricey, but you know what? We were like, this. when are we ever going to have the chance? I mean, never to see Elton John again. And I'm telling you what, guys, I mean, you guys know the amount of hits he has. This dude just has a library of hits. We heard that he played show started at 8, no openers. He didn't stop playing until 11 o'clock. 72-year-old jamming out on the piano for three straight hours. You know, he stopped a couple times in between songs to, like, tell some stories, and he had some awesome stories, talk about his career, and, you know, talk about some other stuff, how he turned his life around. You know, so those were maybe the little breaks. Otherwise... 8 to 11, three hours of Elton John and his band just jamming out. And I'm telling you what, too, yeah, he doesn't sound like he's 25 or 30 years old. He was. He still sounds great. I mean, I, I left that show, and I'm glad we spent the money to go see him because it was awesome. So he, he's coming to Detroit and Grand Rapids. I, if you guys you know, have a chance, I would definitely recommend going to see him. Well, I saw. I pulled up the playlist. I mean, every single song he played was a hit. I mean, it's just incredible. Did he end up with Goodbye Yellow Brick Road? Yeah. 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 So that that's the name of the tour, obviously. And, right. Um, and he had a really cool. He like went up. So he sang the song. I mean, this isn't like a spoiler alert or whatever, but you know, he went up, and they had a cool like way to show him like walking down the yellow brick road, like uh-huh. his career was ending. Um, you know, like on the video screen and stuff. So it was really cool. But man, you just you maybe you forget how many hits he has. It was. It was an awesome show. I mean, like I said, it you know maybe a little pricey or whatever, but Jared, you should get Fox Seventeen to send you there. To, you know, with a media credential. Or there something. you go. But, oh, <laughs> man, it, it it was awesome. It was a great time. So he's seventy two years old. Huh? I did not know he was that old. It, it, and you honestly don't think it affected the show too much? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Was he just pretty much at the piano the whole time? And the only time there was really any interlude with entertainment other than the music was when he was telling a little story or did he did he work the crowd at all oh he worked the crowd a lot he would stand up from his piano and okay. you know like you know like raise the roof type stuff like come on guys let's go and he the, the one thing that showed his age he would he walked back and forth on the stage a little bit to like <laughs> get the crowd into it and maybe he looked like ted you did after you had your hip replacement <laughs> he was walking a little slow um that was the only thing, though, honestly. That was the only thing that would make you think he's 72 because he played for three straight hours, and I'm not exaggerating. I like It was impressive. When I saw that and when people told me that before we went, I was like, eh, there's probably a couple intermissions you know, or something. No, he, he just kept going. And he still he, – he hasn't lost any anything on that piano. He still plays that piano. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's in his prime of his life. It was, it was awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I kind of – I love going to concerts, and I've kind of laid it out that I'm going to go to a big-time, one big-time show at least a year. And I was contemplating Elton John, and I still might go at either Van Andel or or Little Caesars if I can do a last-minute, you know, StubHub thing like you did. I'm not going to buy it in advance, but I did 
uh, this kind of segues into it perfectly, I think. Uh, Billy Joel tickets just went on sale at Comerica Park. Uh, they went on sale to the public last Friday, and I'm an American Express card holder, and they went on sale Monday. So I I went online, and I had I couldn't believe how good a luck I had. I went online and was able to call up tickets nine rows from the stage down on the field at Comerica Park to go see Billy Joel. So I'm I'm looking. That's July 10th, and I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be an awesome show. And you know, Billy Joel and Elton John used to used to do tours together. They used to do a two, you know, the battling piano men. Yep. No, that that'd be awesome, especially an outdoor concert in July. That'll be really cool. Yeah. Jared, any concerts on your horizon? I was going to say, Jared, either of those guys, Elton John, Billy Joel, does that spark any interest? Billy Joel a lot more uh, than Elton John. I mean, We Didn't Start the Fire is maybe one of my top ten favorite songs of all time. That's one of those songs, whenever it comes on, you can't skip it. So I think for seeing that song in concert alone pushes Billy Joel way over the top compared to Elton John. I don't like Elton John. I I like Rocket Man, but it's weird because I actually like... um, a rap song that just samples the Rocket Man like chorus a lot more than the actual song. So I don't know. I'm not a huge Elton John man. I do appreciate. I think he's very talented. I do like this uh, movie um, Rocket Man a lot more than Bohemian Rhapsody. But oh, here I, I'm we a go. Big time Billy Joel guy. <laughs> What's your favorite Elton John song, Matt? What was the one song you were looking forward to hearing? Uh, Tiny Dancer, obviously. Or um... well, you know, you you guys probably have done this where you've heard music and. You know, you're singing along and you're singing a completely wrong lyric. Tiny Dancer was one of those songs that I used to sing, Hold Me Closer, I'm Tired of Dancing. <laughs> I feel like that one you could spin the words a little bit. Tiny Dancer, though, and uh, I guess that's why they call it the blues. Oh. Those are the two songs. I mean, but he's got so many hits. I mean, I'm Still Standing, that yeah. song, too. But probably, I guess that's why they call it the blues. That's the one I was looking forward to the most. That's a classic one. I think that was that came up uh, third song or so. But I always I always like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, too, and A Funeral for for a Friend was always a good one. That was, it has a long intro to lead into it. Yep. All right. Oh, those, those shows, it was a fun show just because, I mean, you know Elton John, a lot of people were, like, dressed up. and Oh, yeah. Uh, it, was just, it was just a fun crowd. I saw your wife broke out the shades, the Elton John shades. Yeah, she bought she bought herself some fun shades. It was a good time. <laughs> Well, we can't have a entertainment tonight without talking about uh, the free Disney service. And the first question I have, you know, I hope, you, I hope everyone's not doing it for free. Hopefully, some people are paying for it. All oh, right, right. If you're a Verizon Verizon member, you get it for free, right? Right, for a year, yeah. Now, wh- what's the connection with you? You know, working for ESPN, you get a lot of uh, Disney perks. Do you get the the service for free? So for this first year, um, you could do, like, they gave you a couple options. Like, you could trade in some of your Disney park passes to ah. get those for free. So you know that I'm not doing that. <laughs> no way. Uh, <laughs> but they, they for this first year, they're trying to get a lot of people signed up. So um, there, there's just a few options like that. But they're saying once they get the service going, they're probably going to offer it to employees for free. So not right away, but, I mean, we still signed up right away sure. along with, over 10 million people apparently on that first day. Were you surprised that a company like Disney, or was this part of their whole marketing thing, didn't didn't the service crash because so many people signed up for it? I mean, I, like it had problems. It wasn't like a complete crash. You know, okay. maybe some people's app wasn't working or something like that. But I think, you know, Disney, it's not like they don't know what they're doing or, you know, it's not like their technology isn't there. I think that's just part of, you know, 10 million plus people sign up on one day and start trying to use it. 
you know, technology is just going to, it's not going to work right, you know. Um, and they probably have some bugs to figure out, too. Sure. So they, they probably got to work out some of the technology stuff or whatever. But obviously, because it's Disney or whatever, some people are going to start hating on it. Oh, what a crappy app. It starts crashing on the first day. Yeah, but you still signed up. so And the stock jumped like $6 per share on that first day. So Yeah, and even if the people that out there pay, I mean, it was, it's pretty reasonable for what you're going to get. What is it, like nine ninety five a month, something like that? Yeah, I mean, everything Disney owns, every movie, every TV show, you know, they bought bought all the Fox stuff. I mean, Star Wars. I don't know if you guys have it, if you've went through the whole, like, catalog on it. If you, if you can't find something you like on Disney+, Plus, I don't know what you're looking for. Wow. It, it's awesome. It was like a kid on Christmas for me going through and looking at all the shows that I could watch that I used to watch when I was a kid. Uh, the Simpsons. Yes. Even Stevens, which I say that and you guys probably have no idea what I'm even talking about. But there's just so many movies. Ted, like, do you? But Matt, you do believe like somebody like Ted? I'm not sure what there is for someone that's like Ted's age on there. It kind of seems like stuff that's more toward my age. I don't know. Well, do but they have the old? You, do they have the old Fred McMurray movies on there too? Like I Son of Flubber and. Uh... I, could not, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, I anything Disney. So yeah, there's. It's probably more geared towards people probably starting around my generation. Right. But, I mean, all the Star Wars movies are on there. All the Marvel movies are on there. You know, that, you know, if people, anyone Ted's age could like it, Simpsons, you know, people like Simpsons. So, I mean, there's definitely still a lot on there. But, yeah, it, the excitement definitely was more for people like my age who grew <laughs> up watching the Disney Channel and stuff and those old Disney movies. And then, you know, you know, your age, Jared, you're watching those cartoons and stuff like that. So Was Little Mermaid, was that part of the Disney franchise? Little Mermaid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I was going to ask you about that, too, you know. Uh, um they had a production, I think it was on ABC, of Little Mermaid Live, where they mixed in a lot of uh, the, the cartoon stuff with live performance. Did you watch that with your daughter? Of course we did. We've watched it probably like ten times. And what, yeah, we did. What did you think of it? I thought it was really cool. I mean, I love Broadway shows. I haven't seen Little Mermaid live on Broadway, but that is one I want to see. So getting to see that performance. But that was a cool way for them to mix in the cartoon because, you know, for TV, they're not about to do a complete Broadway show. So mixing in the the cartoon movie i thought it was really cool yeah it got mixed reviews but i agree with you i thought the way they did it was pretty cool and i to tell you the truth i never saw the little mermaid so i, I kind of enjoyed it you know it's your typical disney plot for those kind of shows but it was it was well done jared no little mermaid Wait, for well, you <laughs> just got a text jared, who's, no, no. Jared, who's your favorite disney princess <laughs> uh you know i will say this the movie's moana is a great movie. I enjoy that as much as as much as kids that are ten years old. I love that movie, uh, and I would say almost the same with Frozen. The songs that are on Frozen are incredible. And now, like the name Elsa, it's kind of like becoming one of the most popular names in the country. Like, I'm surprised if Matt had another daughter. Matt, would you name her Elsa if you had it all over again? Probably not. <laughs> maybe, maybe Anna though. You know, Frozen uh, was Frozen was a that was a very good show, and the music was outstanding. And that was a little different type of animation, wasn't it? I don't know what they call it. It wasn't like the classic cartoon, like no, classic Little Mermaid or Lion King, but it was kind of like Shrek. Frozen Two is coming out in a couple weeks, so if you guys want to see the sequel, can I just say this about Ted? What is your obsession with throwing out these like? comments that me and matt are never gonna it, it makes us look stupid every time you do it Why? Matt, am i wrong does he not always do that didn't they have a new animation wait doesn't uh minnesota versus uh iowa have some rivalry game like it it, it makes 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know how we do it better, but maybe it sounds like you know the answer, so maybe you should just say it. Oh, so you think I'm just setting you up? I'm not, really. It's just, to tell you the truth, you know, I'm not like you guys, and I'm not sitting here with my laptop, and I don't have any notes. I, I go off the top of my head, so if I go a little bit off the wall, it's just because of my, you know, 60-something brain. I can't, I can't explain it. So hold on, Jared. I mean, I'm not trying to call you out here, Ted. I've, so I've been That's in okay. studio recording like two or three times when I've been home. Oh, <laughs> Jared, Jared, you've been in there a lot more than me, like the whole summer and stuff like that. Are we, are we agreeing that Ted has no notes? When we record a podcast, he—it's kind of bizarre. Uh, he makes notes of things that we were never going to talk about in a million years. I was going like, to say the couple times that it, I've been in there, I, and I appreciate—I appreciate the preparation. I see plenty of notes. Uh, I guess. I guess I do have notes. I don't have anything scripted out though. And, and the and the comments <laughs> well, we that the comment see, that Jared brought up though. I mean, I, I honestly just throwing stuff out there. It is a different kind of animation. Do I know the answer of it? No, I don't. It's kind of like. <laughs> It's kind of like the uh, day's claymation, isn't that what they call it? Where they have they kind of make clay uh, people, and then they, they the way they shoot it, it looks like they're moving. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that is a thing. That's not what Frozen was. But no, I know. Claymation, claymation is definitely a thing. Yeah. Okay, so there I had an answer on something. <laughs> <laughs> One final thing, boys. I am so pumped up. We've talked about it before, but I am so pumped up to see on Netflix when it finally comes out November 27th, The Irishman. You know, you got Scorsese directing it, De Niro, Pesci, Keitel. I mean, it is going to be, I think, incredible. And everything I've read on all the reviews, I guess they did it upright. You guys looking forward to that? Oh, I mean, on paper, I, you, it should be great, right? It should be. I, I love, I mean... I will say this, Goodfellas, I do appreciate like the cinematography of it. You know, that kind of makes me sound like I'm some genius or something. <laughs> I don't love the movie as much as others. Okay. I do love how, like De Niro's suits and the, the camera angles and stuff like that. But I do love The Departed, and that's a Scorsese film. So I, I am very much looking forward to this. I love anything that's The Godfather, that's Goodfellas, that's, you know, Departed. Anything with the Mafia, I'm all about. And that's oh, what this is definitely going to be. Yeah, and then with that cast, I mean... You know, Harvey Keitel, just he's classic. And, you know, Joe Pesci, I'm really looking to see him again. Looking forward to that. I was asked to, I was asked to ask you a question, Jared. You had mentioned uh, the most recent movie you saw with De Niro that you didn't really care for his part, right? What movie was that? Um, here we go again. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't. Um, it was a movie in theater, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just like a... He played a comedian or something, didn't he? A talk show Oh, host? the Joker. Yep. Yeah, Joker. 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 Oh, yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we, somebody brought it up to me after they heard our podcast. They asked me to ask Jared, had you ever seen the movie with De Niro called The King of Comedy with De Niro and Jerry Lewis, first of all? That's one question. No, I've never even heard of that. Okay. You might want to look it up sometime. Uh, but did you ever see Taxi Driver? I've heard that that's what the Joker was basically based off of. Is that where you're going with this? No, I, 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 I think that's that. where the that's where the listener was going with it. It was a similar take, and but it was one of De Niro's early movies. It was really, uh, it was it was different. It was Jodie Foster was playing a street hooker at 14 years old, and De Niro played this deranged taxi driver, if you will, and. Uh, it, it was a good movie. I don't know if it if it comes across as dated nowadays if you watched it, but if you ever get a chance, you know, and you're flipping around looking for something to watch, I would check out Taxi Driver. I'd love to get your review. Yeah, I, uh, I can do that. I will. I will make a promise that 
sooner or later on this pod, we will be reviewing Taxi Driver. Now, we might only have like three or four listeners that are uh, interested in that, but we will be doing it. <laughs> well, we'll take that chance. All right, that's all I have, boys, in my vast array of notes. So uh, anything you guys want to add before we call this a pod? Uh, this is the vast array of notes I took on the Lions today. I wrote, Lions suck. <laughs> we can kind of go along with that. Jared and I saw that coming way at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm glad they lost. Just keep losing. Right. There's no point for them to be winning these games. Just tank. I mean, we're kind of in a, if we end up winning only three games, we're in prime position for a great draft pick. Yep. See, but here's the thing. I, I'm with you on that. But when have the Lions ever drafted right? I mean, last year we took a tight end at number eight. He had one catch for six yards today. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him. It looked like he was going to really light it up. I don't know if it was the you know being a rookie and just passing away from him. I still think he's going to be very good, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Let's call it good, boys. That's going to do it for now. Follow and send us your comments to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Three Point Pod. Subscribe, rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Support our Three Point Podcast partners, Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, and ProMech Engineer. And also be sure to check out our network friends, Z92.5 The Castle and Sports Radio Detroit. This has been a Sportsnet Radio production recorded at the WJSZ Studios in Owasso, Michigan. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Pod. Dust out the demons inside, and I won't be long before you and me run. The place in our hearts will we hide, and I guess. Face in your hand.